buying and selling real estate, it can be a tough business to navigate. Sounds like you need some friends in the know. For instance, two longtime Twin Ports real estate professionals who know the ins and outs of the market. This is the Twin Ports Real Estate Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAM. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Rodney and Gary Callagher here from Remax. I, of course, am down in Florida, in Punta Gorda, Florida. And Gary, of course, is in the Twin Ports. Gary, good afternoon. How are you doing today, sir? Jim, we're doing real good. Um, we're going to have a really good show today. We've got, um, if you remember last week, we talked about this uh, homebuyer study that was done. And really the first one that I've seen since... Um, you know, we've gone through this historic real estate market that we're in. Right. And um, a lady by the name that wrote the article, um, uh, her name is Jamie Dunaway Seal. And she's going to be with us starting in the second segment of today's show. And we're going to talk about that and uh, get her insights on what her feeling was, uh, you know, and, and just how this type of a study can impact or influence the marketplace. It's, uh, uh, really, an interesting article. I've read it, read through it several times already. So it'll be see good to see what the answer she has to the questions that we have for her. Yes, that'll be good. That'll be great. Yeah. So um, I was up there last week, of course, um, and we had a great in person recording. Um, and now I'm back down here in in, in Florida, and um, the market is. Pretty darn busy right now. I mean, yesterday was my first day back, and wow, I just didn't have enough time. So, how are Isn't things? Isn't it amazing? Well, how you go on vacation and you get yeah. back, and it's you're just uh, it's nonstop, and you get jet lag, and you got it. Take usually takes me. I don't know about you, but it takes me a couple of days to recover from travel like that. But uh, when there's business waiting, the you know what do you do? You got to go. Right. Exactly. Jim, a couple of local stories here that I I, I just I'm, I want to talk about quick because they I think they're significant and I think one of them that has uh, it just really still got me shaking my head is this um, a Jersey Mike sub shop that's going to go up in Kenwood and it's on the corner of <clears throat> Dodge Avenue and Arrowhead Road right across from the Kenwood Shopping Center and you know I I drive by. That they came with shopping center frequently, and uh, I've been by there, and they've already torn the house down on the corner where this shop is going to go. Right, and I still am shaking my head at what this is all going to look like because I I simply do not see the fit, and I know that the uh, the planning commission uh, didn't want to approve this. City council did approve this. But I think when this is all said and done, that the impact on this residential neighborhood that is on that side of the road, I just don't know what it's going to look like. And, and, uh, and the, the commercialization of that, that particular location and the traffic, I think it's going to impact this in a negative manner. I I don't, uh, and, and I'm not, I don't want to sit here and slam it. I mean, I'm all for like good, uh, smart development. I mean, I'm not anti that, but I think this one goes a little bit too far in terms of like impacting. It's on, it, it's, it's, 
it's going to infringe on a, on a residential neighborhood. And these houses up in that area, Jim, these aren't like starter homes. Right. These are, are what I would call mid-level houses. And, and not too far down the road, you've got some some expensive houses as you go down Dodge Avenue. I mean, this is new construction that they put out there. So, uh, And then the other thing that always concerns me about this stuff is you know, they just redid Arrowhead Road, and it's so beautiful. And there's there's part of the Kenwood Shopping Center that they turned into, like, somewhat of a gravel pit last year. And, and I know that the developer has been turned down for what he wants to develop in that area. Uh, but they're running trucks in and out of there, and the rocks that are getting on this road and the mud. And then if they've got to dig into Arrowhead Road to do a water hookup, or something like that, that's going to re that kind of stuff just drives me crazy. When we do these new roads and all of a sudden they got to dig under the, they got to dig them up and they got to hook up or fix a water repair or something like that. And boy, I hope they don't do that because that road was long overdue to be redeveloped. They just did it. And, uh, um, I just, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what this particular development looks like. But uh, I just, I'm one that I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Are they putting in a turn lane for this thing? Or I it... don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. And and how they're going to access this, uh, if it's going to be off Arrowhead Road, is going to be a nightmare mess. If it's coming off of Dodge Avenue, it's going to be, uh, again, just the impact on this residential neighborhood is going to be something that uh, uh, I I don't know what it's going to look like. And I, I, I just... I guess we're all going to have to wait and see, but they've torn the house down and they're moving ahead with that. And, uh, uh, and then another, and the, then another development, Jim, is the, uh, this old dilapidated building on fourth street, right across from the whole foods co-op between sixth and seventh Avenue East on the upper side of fourth street. And this is where the old lube shop was on the corner there. And, uh, and this, uh, is going to be developed by, heirloom property management you know mike okay. shrimper who's the guy that started heirloom and he's also the guy that's developing the jersey mics they've uh, partnered with uh you know some, some of these local entities and they're going to like develop redevelop those departments i don't know if they're going to tear them down but it's going to be called the brewery creek uh apartments uh, or something like that and if if you know there's the brewery creek runs under fourth street there and if you remember back to that flood we had in 2012, that that creek um, had to be completely redone. They had to dig up Forest Street there and um, uh, redo that. So I think not, it's going to be not, called the yeah, Brewery I mean, Creek not, Terrace. I'm not but, visualizing where that is, but yeah. Well, um, there there's this apartment building. Then there was, I think it was Last Chance Liquor, and then there was the Loop Shop. Well, there's a creek that runs right between oh, yeah, this yeah, building yeah. Okay, and where last, chance, yep. last, last chance liquor was. And if you walk up there, you can see this creek. And it goes under 4th Street uh, and uh, heads down towards towards the lake. And so uh, this whole development is long overdue. I'm glad to see that they're, they're doing this thing. And, and it's going to be a welcome uh, addition to that whole area because that building that's there now has just been horrible, you know, for so many years. Uh, and then I think One Roof Community Housing is going to redevelop the corner where the loop shop was. So how that development looks and, and impacts the area will be, uh, I think it'll be a welcome addition. And I'm looking forward to that uh, that one as well. So uh, definitely some stuff going on up here in the Twin Ports, Jim, with redevelopment, uh, 
redeveloping for housing and and then uh you know this sub shop commercial needs that right. i'm going to i'm going to hold out my the jury's out on this one and uh what this ultimately looks like we'll have to wait and see so we i, I i've got a, a situation down here where um um, 20 years ago when Hurricane Charlie came through, it wiped out like a square city block of buildings downtown Punta Gorda. And it's been, it's been empty since, and they've used it for like festival grounds and stuff. And it's, it's, it's a real popular place to have, uh, you know, those kinds of things. And everybody in the community seems to be up in arms, um, because of this new development that they're talking about, which is going to, so that the, they have a maximum of 60 feet, and they wanna they wanna um, relax that code to go to seventy feet, and they have parking requirements. And the only way they can meet the parking requirements is they only use compact car spaces. Um, and the parking is already a problem down there when when things are busy. And the um, uh, the planning commission voted it down four to three. And the, um, the the city council meeting is coming up in a couple of weeks here, and um, I'm very curious to see if they override the um, planning commission just like they did there in Duluth. So, um, and I'm telling you, this is one heated meeting at this planning commission. So I'm going to the city council meeting because it's going to be very interesting to say the least. Um, so yeah, a couple of things that are happening down here too that are similar to what's going on up there. Well, local real estate development projects and how they impact our communities and our, our residential neighborhoods, they're always emotional, touchy situations. And when they impact or infringe upon people's quality of life or, or right and used to quiet, and quiet enjoyment of their property, which was one of the uh, uh, property rights, um, that, that tends to get people's dander up. And so how these things affect our, our local residential communities I, I mean it'd be interesting to see you know we all know what we went through with the uh, uh rental property issue uh in the uh uh you know umd neighborhoods oh, wow. back You're in the mid 2000s right? that yep. was just crazy that was a very emotional process so yeah and it's, you know these people down here they protect their little downtown they don't want it to be you know, super commercialized, typical Florida. They want to keep the downtown feel. It kind of reminds me of like Bayfield or something like that. But um, yeah, it's all interesting, and uh, I, I am. These kind of meetings are very interesting to go to. I don't plan on speaking. I really don't have an opinion on it. Um, but it's uh, it's it's very interesting, and yeah, very emotional. There are people that are really angry, uh, and you don't have to go very far to get to find somebody with an opinion. I'll tell you that. So. Well, um, in any listen, event, Jim, I don't know how much another, time we have, but we've got we got Jamie coming up on our next segment here. So uh, perfect, we got stuff. about another minute. So why don't we talk about that again, real quick? Um, she she wrote an article on um, the impact of um, the pandemic. Well, it's called and, how buyers how buyers landed a home in today's competitive yeah, market. Right, and this was a study that was done in July of this year, so it's a very recent study. And uh, um, we talked a little bit about it last week, and it'd be interesting to get her insight on this and what she found. And I'm, I'm curious as to the emotional component of this when you talk to people, and whether or not she even talked to people, I don't know. But uh, uh, some of the uh, uh, you know some of the things that she wrote about, you know, to me that really jumped out at me was the stress 
and the home buying process and uh, uh, some of the regrets that people had about buying their homes. So right, uh, right. good to hear from her. All right, that's it. We're going to take a break right here, folks. Then we're going to come back and we'll have our special guest on. So hang in there. You're tuned into the Twin Ports Real Estate Show right here on KDAL. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Ron and Gary Gallagher here. Um, welcome to our second segment here. And uh, we're very, very happy to have Jamie Dunaway Seal with us. Um, she's an author of, a, of an article which is kind of a study of um, the, the most recent real estate craziness of the last couple of years. Um, and um, it's, a, it's, a great, it's, a great, it's a great study of um, you know, just what a lot of these kids went through when they're focusing on the younger people, went through, and uh, Gary and I both lived it from the realtor side. So, um, Gary, let's get going here. Why don't you uh, get us started? Yeah, I just want to say thanks to Jamie for coming on and, and agreeing to uh, you know have this interview with us. And Jim, one of the things that we dealt with, you know, once we went through this pandemic, you go back to March of 2020, and you know how it affected the real estate economy here in, in all these locales. Uh, we went through some shifts. The real estate community did not get shut down like a lot of a lot of industries did. We were, we were able to continue to work through this pandemic. And uh, as we started to come out of this pandemic, the real estate market, not only local, but nationally, went absolutely bonkers. And what we have seen in the last couple of years here uh, is an unprecedented real estate market, Jim, that uh, is unlike any of us have seen. And you and I have been doing real estate for a long time, and we, we've been able to live through a lot of things. And what, But what we went through in terms of the historic prices and the historic activities was unlike anything I, I, that we've ever seen, and I don't think we'll ever live through again. And we've seen a lot of stories on this, and we've written a lot. We've talked about a lot of stories, but we've never, ever had somebody get some actual hard data that indicates what people felt and thought as they're going through this uh, pandemic-driven housing market. So uh, Jamie Dunaway-Seal uh, has has uh, written this article. And Jamie, welcome to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Again, thank you. And uh, if you could just introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you do, and how you guys decided to come up with this. Right. So thank you for having me. Uh, I'm Jamie. I am a data writer for Clever Real Estate. And we do all sorts of surveys about uh, the real estate market and personal finance. So this study came about um, because earlier this year we did a survey about millennial home buyers, and we wanted to see um, specifically how that compared to you know the entire segment of buyers in the market. And uh, what we came up with, uh, you know, really validated what we found earlier in the year that not only are millennials. Um, you know, taking these extreme risks to, to buy a home. You know, it's it's happening across the board to everyone, all buyers of all generations. Well, some of the interesting statistics in here, uh, uh, Jamie, is, you know, first of all, you start out, you say the American dream of owning a home is still alive and well. And despite the high prices, the low inventory, and the fierce competition over the past two years, buyers have persevered through the challenging market. And the... The number of of people buying homes, 70% of these buyers that purchased in 2021 and 2022 based on this survey 
bought a home for the first time. And among the new buyers, one third thought the process was more difficult than they expected. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the reasons that it's more difficult was just the fierce demand that there was for homes. Like everyone wanted to buy a home and the inventory was just so low. So it's basic supply and demand after that. Lots of uh, demand, low supply. So prices are of course, skyrocketing. And so that, uh, you know, that's going to price a lot of people out of the market, but they desperately want to be in a home. So they're going to try and do, you know, whatever it takes to get in one of these homes. And that causes a lot of stress and anxiety, uh, just, you know, financially and then personally. So that was the number one reason that it was more difficult, just because, of the stress, you know, it's not an easy process and you have to jump through a lot of hoops because there's so much competition in this market. Well, I'm talking about stress. Um, this survey indicated that 32% of the buyers in this survey found that the experience was, was a lot more difficult than they expected. And they referenced um, expensive home prices, the difficulty in finding a home and too much competition. And so, uh, you know, when you deal with, with first-time home buyers and these millennials who we've been talking about for a long time about driving this market, um, they, I think that they, when they were introduced into this whole process and, and they were part of this uh, unprecedented activity in this market, it was just something that they, uh, uh, that they, I don't think they anticipated was going to, to be as difficult as it was, but yet they persevered. And so, seeing that they had the ability to uh, to hang in there, you know, time after time after time, uh, to me, just was, was something that, that caught my attention and, and hats off to them for hanging in there. Right. I think that, you know, millennials are growing up. They are starting, you know, to get married and have families. So they want, you know, they do want the American dream. They need a house, um, you know, for more space. They're usually a little bit more settled. Um, in their careers now, like wanting to settle down. And um, on the flip side, you know, apartment uh, rents are rising as well. So, you know, it just kind of makes sense if you're paying this much uh, for an apartment. Sometimes a house will be, um, it will be a little bit more stable because, you know, you'll have a set uh, monthly mortgage payment, you know, locked in for 15 or 30 years, whereas an apartment you know, you're still paying a lot and then the rent could increase every year and you never know exactly how much that's going to be. Well, and that's a, I think that's a great point because um, while the interest rates have gone up now um, and um, so it, it, it cuts people off a little bit and, and it actually has stabilized the market somewhat because rather than show somebody one house, okay, make your offer, now we're saying, you know, you can show five, six houses uh, and it's a little more relaxed, a little more normal, I would call it. But yet the rents are going up. So um, yeah, that's, a, that's a great point um, that you're making. I think that this is also interesting here. 80% of buyers made more than one offer. And, and 7% made more than 10. Um, that's crazy. Uh, I didn't realize that the numbers were, were, that, were that skewed. I mean, in... The majority of them, twenty percent, made one offer. Um, any any comments on on that? And were you shocked by those kind of uh, numbers that you see? 
So anecdotally, just from people that, uh, that I've heard searching for homes, I knew that they, you know, had to make multiple offers. And I think that this statistic that we found really kind of backs up what I've just been hearing anecdotally, like out in the wild, so to speak. Um, but 10 offers, like that's, that's crazy. That was shocking even to me. Yeah. Um, but I think on the flip side too, the, um, I believe it was the 20% that only made one offer. Like, like I personally like want to know, like, how, how did you do that? How did you make that happen? Right. And what we found was those buyers are typically repeat buyers, um, people that have bought a house before, um, maybe they're looking for a second home or, um, or whatever, but they usually have, um, you know, from the sale of their home, they'll have an influx, like their previous home, they'll have an influx of cash that they can either use to make an all cash offer or to submit a really competitive down payment that's more than 20%. Um, and they can be a little bit more, um, uh, more reliable, I guess they can wait for, for a good house and like, um, you know, if they really want it, then they have that cash, um, to possibly win a bidding war or offer over the asking price. Right. I mean, cash is definitely king in real estate and yeah, you're right about that. Um, I, I personally had one where we got, we got an accepted offer on the eighth offer uh, and that was quite a trying experience for these young folks. Um, so yeah, I know it's 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 crazy. And the other one that I that I found very interesting is that one in three submitted an offer on a home site unseen. Um, and yeah, that was happening a lot down here. Um, so any comments on that? Did, did they did they um, um, site unseen? Is there is there a lot of regret with some of that? There is some regret, and this is something um, hearkening back to the millennial home buyers that we were really interested about from our previous study. Is you know we asked them like how many of you would would be willing to do this, would consider doing it, and then we really wanted to know how many people actually did. So uh, we found uh, you know that ninety percent of millennials said they'd be willing to buy a home site. I, sight unseen and 40% actually, you know, submitted an offer. So, um, a good chunk of them would still do that. And that's a product of, you know, just the competition in the market. You have to be willing to take big risks, but that did, that did come with regret. Um, about one in six regretted, uh, buying a home without seeing it first. And that's just, you know, you have to really, trust your realtor, trust the online photos, like you kind of forgo the opportunity to make a judgment with your own eyes. Yeah, and I think that that was a significant uh, issue in our market when people, you know, were buying sight unseen. And we went, we went through that on a number of different uh, occasions with people. And um, I would say for the most part, people ended up being okay with it but there were a couple instances where people like no i gotta resell <laughs> I can't oh, no. do this. yeah and so that was a but but they didn't really have much choice and so uh when you're in a market like we're 
that we're in or we were in, I mean, you, you just really have to roll the dice and go for it. And, uh, I think one of the big things that helped people was, uh, you know, our cell phones or our movie cameras and being able to get a little bit more realistic, uh, look at these houses and, and then, then the experience of the real estate agent saying, nah, you know, you maybe want to pass on this one or yeah, go for it, that type of stuff. But it's so difficult to tell until you're actually mm-hmm. in the house because one of the things that people will do is they got to have a feel, they got to get a vibe and they got to feel that house and, and you don't do that unless you get in there. So, uh, uh, I think that was a pretty significant part of, of our market. And we're not seeing it as much as we did, but uh, a couple other regrets that people had in this study. And the number one regret, quite frankly, was that they overpaid, that they spent too much money on these purchases. And the uh, the, the median amount that buy, that uh, buyers paid over the list price was $65,000. Did you get any insight as to why people just said, hey, we're going for it, you know, I mean, what was the what was the impetus for them just going all in, so to speak? Right. I think that, um, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head like you just have to go for it. Um, you know, it's something that people didn't necessarily want to do. Like it's like the number one priority was finding an affordable home. But um, it's just really hard to do in this market. So if, you know. If you are 100% all in, like need to get a home, sometimes you do have to um, increase your budget or spend a little bit more than you think that you're going to. And I'm not saying that that's a good idea financially, but when you're in it, when you're in the trenches of home buying, like sometimes that's just the reality that you're forced into, Um Especially when it seems like all the other buyers are doing it as well. You know, you submit an offer on a home and then, uh, you know, your competitor offers more than asking price. And then all of a sudden you are in a bidding war. Um, So I think sometimes young buyers feel like they have to do that to get a home and that they are often the ones that have to take the bigger risks and the repeat buyers. Um, yeah, you know, I, just you, to, I totally agree with ahead. that too. Yeah. What do you think is some of the, um, you know, this driving historic market with these millennials, what do you, do you have a sense of what their reasoning or what their motivation was behind wanting to own a home versus renting? I think, it's, um, you know, some of it is the equity that you can build with the home. It's a really great um, investment that's typically um, pretty, pretty stable. Um, you know, there's always the argument that, you know, when you're renting, you're just kind of throwing money away. But um, in a house, you do have the opportunity to build wealth because, you know, it increases in value. And right now, um, or, you know, in the you know, very uh, distant or the very um, recent past, um, home values have increased so much. Um, so if you if you buy a house, you know, you might be in the mindset like, oh, it's it's a good investment. It's going to increase in value right away. Got it. And that's not that's not necessarily, um, you know true that might not exactly happen in the future but that might be the mindset among these young people 
All right, I got a question. So, um, fixer uppers weren't always a bargain, is one of the other headlines here. Um, and did did any of them ever comment on um, that they were they had to put more money in than they actually expected um, initially? So, one thing that I found very surprising from this study was that um, people actually spent more on a fixer upper like just to buy it not even necessarily to fix it up oh, right right um in right. um, in the example that we gave in the study was that um you know if you are in california and all you can afford is a fixer upper that fixer upper is still going to be more in california than like a turnkey property in nebraska um so not only are you um, possibly spending more to buy that home, but you're also going to have to spend a lot to fix it up. Um, you know, we we found that uh, like in the past three or four years from 2019 to 2022, that homeowners, um, the share of homeowners who spent at least $10,000 on maintenance and repairs tripled from 6% to 20%. Right. Um, right. And especially now in this inflationary period, like everything is more expensive, not just your home, like the cost of materials and labor. Okay. All right. Hey, listen, folks, hang in there. We got to take a break here. You're tuned into the Twin Ports Real Estate Show, and we will be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Ron and Gary Callagher here with our special guest, Jamie Dunaway Seal. Um, and uh, Gary and I, Jamie, I just want to. Gary and I have been talking about the impact that millennials were going to have um, way before they were of buying age. That's how long we've been doing this real estate show, um, and it's amazing the impact that that population growth has had. And then we were talking about your study here, and we were just we were just touching on the fixer-uppers that buyers bought fixer-uppers and then you touched on it that the the costs of fixing those properties up has gone crazy because of material costs so all this it's like it was like a perfect storm um that it, it seemed when when these buyers had to come into this into this market that was just so competitive and uh where you had to settle um did you did you find a lot of that kind of uh response um, we had to settle in order to just get a house. Yeah, I we did find that. Um, I think as a millennial home buyer, you come in with like you know your checklist of everything you want in a home, but the reality of this market is you're not going to get all of it. So you know, I don't know how many rejections it takes before you decide that you need to make some compromises, but we did find that about 80% of all home buyers, not just millennials, had to compromise. But um, millennials and first-time buyers um, in general had to compromise more than buyers who had bought a home in the past. One of the other things that people really compromised on was two things that jumped out at me in the study was the uh, location and uh, the square footage, the amount of uh, the size of the home that, that they're buying. Uh, any insight as to, it, it went on to say in there about the location that once they got into the house, they were dissatisfied with the location. So there was some compromise just to buy a home. Any uh, insight into uh, 
the square footage issue and the uh, the location issue. Yeah, so um, buying a home in a good neighborhood was one of the top priorities among all buyers. Um, but then, you know, you have some like premier neighborhoods in, in whatever market you're in. And those homes, of course, are going to be the most in demand and therefore the most expensive. So if you are a budget conscious buyer um, or just, you know, can't keep up with the competition, you might say, okay, well, maybe let me go to this more affordable neighborhood. And it might not have um, as nice of homes. It might not have as, you know, many amenities. And so when they get there, they are dissatisfied. And we found that about one in five uh, didn't like their new neighborhood or weren't satisfied by it. And then the same goal goes for square footage. Um, you know, a lot of millennials want to buy a home because it offers more space than an apartment. Um, like I said earlier, they've got um, growing families, and so that's something that they want for their future. But, you know, more square footage is more expensive, so they have to make that choice to to buy a more affordable home that's also smaller. You know, one of the other things here is that uh, one-third of the buyers search for three months or more to find a home, and, and you know, it's not because of um, not finding what they want, it's because they were losing in competition, I believe. And you know what's interesting is that in a normal market, when a buyer has, you know, they can they can search for homes for you know, and they can go look at four or five a day, different ones. Um, a lot of those buyers were, they'll search for three months. I mean, they're, they're looking for perfection. I think the biggest difference here, and I want your comment on it, is that it's totally flipped on why um, some people take their time. And I just found it crazy that one in three in this market search for three months or more. Yeah, I... I agree when you said that I think it's because of um, just the competition. Like if you're submitting, you know, 10 offers, like that takes time. Um, and when you when you submit an offer and it doesn't get accepted, you have to like almost start over. Like you have to go see the house and consider it and, um, you know, then submit an offer and then wait to hear back. And all of this does move um, you know, fairly quickly in the market today, but um, it's just like the sheer quantity of of the offers and the rejection. It just, it takes time and um, it's hard, especially like at first when you're maybe a little bit more uh, fresh, not quite so tired. Right, um, right. You, you are still maybe hoping, holding out for like your dream home. But then as time goes on, you're just like, okay, we need, like, let's wrap this up. We need to get in the house. <laughs> well, I think this is a good point because one of the things that, you know, the surveys and the, the online surveys and stuff, they don't, it's it's very difficult to gauge um, is the human element. I mean, it's it's that the part of the process and, and we as real estate agents, we're involved with people's lives on a very, uh, you, you know, intimate basis sometimes and, uh uh, you get to see the frustration. You get to see the emotion. You get to to you know help them through that and and deal with those types of things. And so uh, the frustration of continually 
you know, not getting the house or, you know, um, losing, losing, losing instead of winning, it takes a toll on people. And it takes a toll to the extent where some people have just simply said, I'm waiting it out. I'm done, you know. And, uh, you know, people will will certainly ask our advice is, is what should we do? We just we're not getting anything. And I know I always tell people is just stay in the game. If you want to take a break, take a break, but stay in the game because uh, it, you'll never get one if you're not playing. And so, um, yes, it's a difficult process, but that human element and, and being involved in people's lives like that, that's a, a big part of what we deal with. And, uh, and I think it's difficult when you have a, a survey, if it's online like that, to get that sense of that emotion that people deal with. Exactly. Um, I completely agree with everything you said. Um, one question that we did have that I think was interesting is um, we did ask how the home buying process made them feel. And, um, you know, I think buyers do kind of come into the market with a little bit of trepidation. Like they know what they're getting into, maybe not quite the extent of it, but they are still um, primarily excited and um good those were the top two answers um but um stress was the third most common answer with about 42 percent of people saying that it made them feel stressed um do you, Jamie, think that- do you have any feedback on the story are you getting any 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 feedback positive or negative um we haven't gotten any feedback per se from like on the ground buyers, but um, we have gotten a lot of coverage for this story. So we are, um, we're just hearing from journalists that they, you know, find it really interesting. Um, It's gotten, gotten a lot of coverage. So I assume that that means that people find it interesting and um, a good uh, snapshot of what is going on on the ground. Jim, Jim, go ahead. Um, I was going to talk about the realtor aspect. Uh, I, I they say that a lot of a lot of people were half of the respondents said a good realtor made the home buying easier. I hope that doesn't mean that half of them didn't like their realtor, but uh, uh, it could, you know. Um, but a lot of them they say sellers may not seed much, but a seasoned real estate agent can advocate on a buyer's behalf and help them avoid the most risky and detrimental concessions. Or completely advise them to walk away from a bad deal. Um, specifically, did you have um, comments about that? Like we could have had this house, but we we took our agent's advice and we walked away. We don't have specific statistics on that, but um, I do think that that is one of the things that <clears throat> that is really important. The buyers like I can't imagine trying to navigate this market um, alone, especially as a first-time buyer when you don't necessarily know the entire process. And as a first-time buyer, you might be a little um, more willing to take these big risks. And I think a real estate agent can really, um, you know, offer a lot of good advice. Um, when you are thinking about maybe doing something uh, risky, you know, they can offer like that level head, like, you know, uh, right. you know, advise you about, um, you know, if it's really going to put you in a bad position or if there might be other homes available. Um, it's just, it's always good to get like a neutral um, 
neutral third party who is, you know, involved, but like still cares for your well-being. Okay. Well, and you keep the emotion out of it too. And even yes. though emotion they pay, play, plays a part in it, some people get, get real emotional and trying to keep people, you know, uh, you know, level-headed and just, you know, stay, you know, stay neutral type of the stuff. Um, that's, that's part of what we do as well, because the, the emotions can really work on people. So keeping, keeping the emotion out of it is a yeah. very big part, I think, of what we mm-hmm. do. All right. We're coming up to the end of the segment, but before we do that, I want to, where can people find your article online if they want to read it? Right. It's published on Anytime Estimate, which is, uh, one of our partner sites. Okay. Um, it's just anytimeestimate.com slash American Home Buyers 2022. All right, perfect. And if you can't find that, folks, you could always reach out to Gary and I. We both have uh, we both have copies of the link to it. So, all right. Well, Jamie, we really want to thank you for uh, coming on the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Um, great stuff, really great stuff. Thanks yes, so much thank for you. having me. Okay. All right, folks. We got to check out here on this segment. You're tuned into the Twin Ports Real Estate Show, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the last segment of the Twin Ports Real Estate Show. Jim Rodney and Gary Callagher here from REMAX. And I'm in Florida. And folks, if you want to reach me, my telephone number is 218-348-SOLD. And Mr. Callagher, please give out your digits. Up here in the Twin Ports, I'm at 218-390-0615. Licensed in both Minnesota and Wisconsin. And uh, yeah, Jim, great. Great uh, episode here to have this uh, Jamie on about this uh uh, the study that was done, and again, like I said, I've read this thing several times. I'm just overwhelmed by by a lot of the data that they have. And even though it's a sampling of people, you know, I think they surveyed just over a thousand people. Um, it's all that we have so far, you know. And so moving forward, it'd be really interesting to see if any more studies come out with a larger sampling size of people. Um, and uh, and uh, but I think that this represents a lot of what people felt in this. Uh, you know what we've been going through in this housing market and some of the the data that they 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 have in this study certainly resonates with me you know we've certainly you know had very you know incidents that they're they talk about so you got to believe that it's it's representative of a much larger uh sample size than than what they actually did the survey from so uh, very cool yeah. stuff yeah, then, hey, the next study they should do is on the stress level of the realtors that are involved. <laughs> I mean, because I mean, we were right there Well, I, I said, I think you and I had a conversation once where it's like, I've never seen real estate agents cry, break down and cry when their clients got a house. And that certainly has happened in this yeah. marketplace. So just wild stuff. Jim, mortgage interest rates are just all, they're unbelievable. They're all over the map right now. And the, the volatility of that uh, 10-year treasury uh bond is wild the last week and the and last week at 30 year conventional term was at five percent it now is at five and a half percent right uh the uh fha 30 year term was at 5.13 whatever last week and now it's at 5.75 so that took a huge jump in a week and the va 30 year term uh still sits at 5.25 that's up a little bit it was at five and eighth last week i believe so uh, but the volatility of this market is uh, the mortgage interest rate market is like insane right now, and there's just simply no stability in it. And where this thing goes, and where where these interest rates end up, and when and if they finally stabilize, who knows? But 
what had changed over what we've gone through over the last few years with these interest rates? Just where we are to where we've been, and we've talked about them for years, but the volatility of it right now is just off the charts. Yeah, it, yeah, it's.